Hello and welcome back to the Midweeks. This is Rob. It's been a while since I've recorded one of these things. Not your fault. I was on some holidays and am getting back into the swing of things at work, but I'm looking forward to working through the book of Samuel with you. I love the Word of God. I love studying these stories, and I trust as we study them together, you will be encouraged and blessed by God's Word. And, uh, I'm going to just enjoy this as well. So remember, we're working through the book of uh, Samuel, and we're looking at it through the lens of four different perspectives. First is the formation of the kingdom. As Israel moves from a confederacy, a collection of individual tribes, into a real kingdom underneath a king. We're looking at the lives of the early kings and their sons. We're looking at this as character studies of faith and unbelief especially right now through David and Saul's lives, as well as God's activity in the world. God extending his reign, he's invading, he's bringing his kingdom into the world, and he's displaying his character through this. And one thing I've been saying is that if you want to take a verse that's going to summarize everything that's going on in this book, it would be the verse, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, that this is the theme of this book. And so we're picking up with David again. David's on the run from Saul. Saul, we're nearing the end of the book, and Saul is not going to survive the end of the book of 1 Samuel. But it's not going to be David who does him in, and this is what's going on in this story. This is the story of when Saul is chasing David, and David has the opportunity to assassinate Saul and chooses not to. So we're going to read. We'll make some comment. We'll go from there. 1 Samuel chapter 24, sorry I said 23, but I meant 24. When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goat's rocks. And he came to the sheepfolds by the way where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now, so, again, we have this um, being told, we're not sure who tells Saul, but he's probably got spies out throughout Israel, people who are informants, and he's informed of David's general location, the wilderness of Engedi. And Saul takes his 3,000, so it's not his full army, but this would be his standing army, his chosen men, his elite kind of quick response force that he would deal with military issues with instead of summoning all of Israel all the time, which would cost a lot of money and time. um, He would have his standing army, most likely his chosen men, and they went out to this location. And whenever you see details like talking about the sheepfold and stuff like that, it's always good to ask why it's there. I'm not totally sure why it's there, but one thing that it could be is that... um, It's highlighting the fact that these men are both shepherds. Saul and David are both shepherds. Remember, David was taken from the sheepfold to become king, but the king is typically thought of as a shepherd of people. And so here they are in this place where the shepherds gather. And two shepherds, kingly shepherds, are gathered here as well, and we're going to see their character on display. Now, David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. So you have this setup here where Saul's out to get David. Human nature, providence comes in. Saul goes into this cave seeking a safe place to go to the bathroom, right? He's leaving his men behind to go into this safe place, this cave where no one can get him. 
And ironically, and under the sovereignty of God, that's actually where David and his men are. So it must be a big cave because David's men number in the hundreds. But it's a big cave and Saul's in there thinking he's safe. What's going to happen with this ironic moment? Well, the men of David said to him, Here's the day which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now, it's very interesting. I don't remember when, where David's men heard this saying, Behold, it will be given into your hand. Your enemy will be given into your hand. Maybe Abiathar the priest or somebody else gave this prophetic word to David. But the men are reminding him and saying, look at this, look at this. This is such a great opportunity. Saul's in here by himself. You can just one little dagger thrust and all your problems are over. That's what they're thinking. But you can see there's some ambiguity in there. Um, God saying, I will give your enemy into your hand and you shall do to him as it seems good to you. See, there's an openness. What does it seem good to you? And so here is an opportunity for people to insert their own understanding of God's will into the prophecy of God's will. You shall do to him what seems good to you. And some people are going to think it's one thing and David's going to think it's another thing. Do you see how there's an ambiguity there? So it is the word of God. It's, it's given to us as God's word to David. I think that's true. But there's an openness where actually hearts are going to be revealed by what quote unquote seems good to you. Verse 5, and afterward David's heart struck him. So he doesn't go and kill Saul. He just cuts off a corner of his robe. I don't know if Saul was still wearing it or if he took it off and put it down somewhere because he cut off the corner of Saul's robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. So Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. So again, a bit of ambiguity here. David goes and he chooses not to attack Saul, but he just takes a corner of his robe off. And even that amount of attack, David has a, his heart is struck. He has a moment of conscience. He feels like he has gone right up to the line of faithfulness and maybe even crossed over a little bit. And now he regrets what he has done. Even though he didn't attack him, he didn't kill him. He just took some of his robe. Now, Again, robes meant more to people back then, so there could be something about the robes signifying the kingship, and so by taking a part of it, he's actually attacked the kingship symbolically. Maybe he's feeling like that's the issue there. But whatever it is, the men were expecting blood. David came back with cloth, and even that amount of using of his knife was too much for David's own conscience, and so he persuades his men not to attack Saul. Okay, and it and his faith is on display here because he sees this as under God's hand. He still sees Saul as the Lord's anointed, that God chose him, God anointed him, and so anybody who strikes out at Saul is in some sense going against God's will. And so David says, The Lord forbids that I should do that. So he's saying, God is the issue here. I'm not going to kill Saul because it isn't about me and Saul. Ultimately, it's about the Lord. And I've already gone farther than I wanted to. Afterwards, David also arose and went out to the cave and called after Saul. So the idea is Saul's finished going to the bathroom. He's gone out there, maybe walking away or something. He calls after Saul, my lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed his face to the earth and paid homage. And David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men who say, behold, David seeks you harm? Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you into my hand in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not put out my hand against 
my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, see the corner of the robe in my hand. For by the fact that I have cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you, but my hand shall not be against you. Okay, so we'll stop there. So David comes out and he comes out with this strong speech. And we should probably imagine David really, this is an emotional speech, but he's trying to plead with Saul. And there's a few highlights here. Now he says, um, you're listening to people who are slandering me. So Saul's, part of Saul's madness and his insecurity is that he's willing to listen to people who want rid of David. And so this might even be something like, um, Later on, when Daniel has people who want him out of the way for the sake of their own career advancement, maybe that's what's going on here. People want David out of the way because they see David as a threat, so they keep trying to get Saul to attack David. And Saul, because of his own spiritual weakness and unbelief, is persuaded by the slander. But David points out that he had the opportunity to take him out, but he's not going to for the sake of God. So for God's sake, he's not going to touch Saul. And because of that he knows that ultimately he should know that ultimately David isn't going to wrong him or commit treason against him because he had the opportunity to sin and didn't do it and so now he's calling the Lord to be the judge he doesn't want to be his own judge he says the Lord judge between me and you the Lord avenge me against you but I'm not going to do it verse 13 as the proverb of the ancients says out of the wicked comes wickedness but my hand shall not be against you After whom is the king of Israel come out? After whom do you pursue? After a dead dog? After a flea? May the Lord therefore be be judge and give sentence between me and you and see to it and plead my cause and deliver me from your hand. Okay, so this is a very long speech. Whenever you have long speeches, um, it's good to take note of them. The Bible can usually summarize things into one sentence if it wants to. And so when it takes the time for a long speech, that means it's an important speech and it's an important moment of what's going on in the Bible. So this speech between David and Saul is very important because it reveals David's heart, his desire for righteousness, his desire to honor the Lord, his willingness to let an enemy go in order to be faithful to God. It's also interesting that it decides to include David quoting a proverb. Remember Solomon, his son, is the man of proverbs and the wise man. But in the book of Solomon, it says that his father taught him wisdom and his father taught him to value wisdom. And so here we even have um, David hearing and applying proverbs. And as I understand it, out of the wicked comes wickedness really means like you can judge someone by their actions. And here David is saying, judge me by my actions. I had the opportunity to destroy you and I didn't. I'm not worth chasing after. I'm just a dead dog and I flee. God judge between me and you. All right, verse 16. As soon as David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, is that your voice, my son, David? Now remember, they are actually family because David married Saul's daughter. Is that your voice, my son, David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. So his conscience has struck him. David's heart struck him because he cut the robe. And now Saul's heart has struck him because obviously David is right here. And he said to David, you are more righteous than I, for you have repaid me good, whereas I repaid you evil. Now remember, this is a long time ago, but back in the day when Judah had his issue with Tamar and impregnated her, his daughter-in-law, he also said this thing, you are more righteous than I. So here's this confession of humbling himself and repentance. Verse 18, And you have declared this day how you have dealt with me, how you dealt well with me, in that you did not kill me when the Lord 
put me into your hands. Okay, so Saul is adopting the perspective of David, a God perspective that God gave this opportunity for Saul to die, but it's actually an opportunity for Saul to see David's good character. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away safe? So may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. Now behold, I know that you shall surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Swear to me therefore by the Lord that you will not cut off my offspring after me, and that you will not destroy my name out of my father's house. David swore this to Saul. Then Saul went home, and David and his men went up to the stronghold. Okay, so very interesting moment here, because I think this is the first time where Saul has begun to see the future here. Because he sees the hand of God on David. He sees that God has given David the opportunity to destroy Saul. He sees that God has chosen in David a man more righteous than Saul. And so he sees, at least in this moment, though he's going to forget, but at least in this moment he sees that there is something inevitable about God putting David on the throne. And so now he asks instead of anything else he said, may you have mercy on my offspring which is an amazing thing to ask while he's trying to kill David, who is his son-in-law. But it also reminds you that David actually has made this covenant already with Jonathan. And Saul was mad about these covenants with Jonathan, or at least their relationship earlier. So this chapter gets summed up. It's a picture of David's faithfulness, his faith in God, and therefore his willingness to have self-restraint with Saul. And Saul beginning to crack. His attack against David was broken by speech this time. His heart was broken in repentance. And he's beginning to confess himself that David will someday soon reign as king. All right, and that's a great encouragement for us to continue to trust God when we're in times of trouble, not to take matters into our own hands, but to trust God with the outcome of things and to stay patient, waiting for the justice of God to come our way. I hope you're blessed.